What's up, everybody? Tyler here from the Antihero Podcast, and I'm selling out for an ad. However, none of this would be possible on the audio platforms without Spotify for Podcasters. Spotify for Podcasters allows me to record, edit, and distribute to all audio platforms for the Antihero Podcast. So if you're thinking about starting a podcast, all you need is a mic and a computer. Hell, I don't even think you need that. I think you literally just need your phone. Spotify for Podcasters is for you, so give them a try. Well, it goes back to the problem thing. How can you tackle a problem? You can't sit there and bitch about a problem and then not at least if you're not going to go handle that's fine, but then give someone shit for trying to go make a change. Like, yeah, like, like I've been I've been black, you know, however many years. I've been <laughs> when did you transition? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, wait. I'm not good. We'll wait till we're on. We're on. That's my buddy's band shirt. Oh, smart. Mike who bleeds. Ooh, I like him. He got a band shirt on today. Me? Yeah, Mike who bleeds. Oh, he got his hands Last on. episode, you tried to say a band, and he, he wasn't wearing a band shirt. What yeah, band? this is the one you're talking about. We were talking about. I don't watch the episodes. Oh, but <laughs> now it makes sense. So... No, well, I do, so you can get the view when I leave them. Nick, and I mute them. Nick told me to give you this. <laughs> to hide my boner. Because apparently I get a boner. Everybody comments on that. Like, why does he hug the pillow the whole episode? Because my fucking fat. Not my boner. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, they did in the comments. A pillow whoopee. I'm going to look it up. On my uh, my porn tube search. Only Wooby I know is from yeah, from the army. Oh, <laughs> the the snuggly. They make jackets out of those now. I know. Yeah, that's probably the best, I, most genius I idea one. I've ever heard. Is a it's probably warmer than the Gore-Tex they gave us. <laughs> Bands, oh, my Kublitz. He wears the shirt every podcast. This is my favorite fucking shirt, <laughs> and I'm only here once a month ish. It's my favorite shirt. Like I a, like it. It's like the game shows where they <laughs> film all the episodes yeah, on the one same day. day. <laughs> <laughs> I like the shirt. So we have our buddy Martin. Do you like going by your last? You probably like going by your first name. It's a dumb question. Miguel. It's the most non-black name. <laughs> Miguel. From Miguel Jamaica. Martin. <laughs> oh, you're Demi- uh, Wait. Not no. Demi- oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, not you got to get up and walk out. <laughs> have you ever have you ever mistakenly called a Dominican black? I guess because they're mm. not. Yeah, it's, it's not. You can tell a Dom- Dominican. It's very offensive. Yeah. To some of them. Yeah. yeah. I always knew he was Jamaican. <laughs> Wait, so. is, is Can we go a- by Miguel's <laughs> history first? Hey, he was in yes, the army. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I, but I don't. Okay, he served go. in Afghanistan. He keeps it. Sam he keeps us on track. But yeah. So yeah, let's get to know Miguel. No, uh, I've been in. Well, I was born in Jamaica. Uh, my name is Miguel, and it's Spanish, but I have zero Spanish uh, in me. I'm Spanish by marriage. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I did eight years in the in the nasty guard, and been deployed once, and I've been in law enforcement uh, probably. 
What year did you deploy? Almost eight years now. I want to say you better oh. cop eight years. No, this is this is. Oh, think this is no You're terrible. No. Yeah, he's right. Oh, this is year eight of being Stop a cop. Yelling at me, Sam. <laughs> okay. Fucking Wait, when deployed, did you deploy? I deployed two thousand thirteen to two thousand fourteen. Afghanistan. Tobago. I was a fobbit and a pogue. You were a fobbit. Yeah. Yeah. UMP. But he was fucking. No, but deployed. You did patrols, right? Inside the fob. We did. We oh, ran. you were actually policing. No, no, my unit. So I was in Bagram. Bagram was ran by the Air Force. That's and North you know, Afghanistan in the mountains. Yeah, I was Thanks, there Sam. <laughs> for our viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Afghanistan I, is a country. <laughs> I put we put boots on ground probably, um, maybe two weeks after that C one thirty had crashed mm-hmm. with all the. With all the uh, oh shit, I remember that MRAPs on there. Yeah, yeah. that was because it was uh, loaded wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. So we was we put boots on ground probably like two two weeks, three weeks after that. Um, but yeah, we did. Part of my company worked the gate for the Afghan prisoners, so where the jail was, we mm-hmm. lived on that camp where the jail was, and part of my company worked the gate, and then the rest of us. We did uh, QRF for the FOB. QRF means quick reaction force for our viewers. <laughs> Some people don't know. It's true. It's true. Well, a lot of our cop buddies, when we talk military, they yeah. have no idea what we're talking QRF about. QRF means quick reaction force. So, yeah, quick reaction force is somebody's set up, ready to go when it's called for. So, it can be. I didn't know they did it for inside the FOB, but if you're living, if you're essentially living on a prison. Yeah. So, yeah. at that time, the. Uh, I don't know what I want to call it. But the trend was to get uh, IDF and then they would V-bid a gate or V-bid somewhere in the perimeter and, and rush in. What's and IDF? Then Indirect fire. fire. Okay. Yeah. So they would bomb I've been us. out for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> They'd hit us with rockets and then they would, they would send a V-bid in and blow a gate or blow a blow a hole in the fence and then have a whole bunch of their people run in and start blowing themselves up and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Coordinated attack. V-bids is the fucker would drive with a truck with a bomb on it or missiles or whatever the fuck and blow everything up. Yeah, and then so everybody, you know. It's, I don't think it's a smart tactic to blow that? yourself up <laughs> to kill an enemy, but go ahead. Well, they were promised stuff in the afterlife. Yeah. So. I was never in Afghanistan, but... It was the same fucking thing. It was a beautiful country. Yeah. It was it was beautiful. Like Ew. scenery. Well, it I mean I'm sure terrible. it's I'm sure there's different parts of Afghanistan that are like like if you went to the US and you said the US is beautiful, it depends on where you go in the US. Yeah. So is Afghanistan big? It's probably about the size of like It's big. Yeah. And it's, also it's thirty million people. Did you know that Afghanistan is not considered the Middle East? It's in, I mean, obviously it's Asia, but when you Southwest Asia, because they would say, welcome to Southwest Asia. And everybody would be confused because we were fighting Asians. <laughs> uh, no college for you? No college. Um, I went to college briefly after I joined the military. But didn't graduate, no degree, and I'm actually looking to go back now. So 
Well, they, uh, can you get it paid for? I still have, I think I still have uh, money on my GI Bill that I need to use. It's up to three years. What? Three years. That was 10. It's 10. 10 years? Wait, I can be a doctor? No, no, no. It's first off, it's four years. It's four, it's four, is it three consecutive 12 month periods? Pay for three or four years worth of schooling. I thought you meant when you started. You still have it. You still have access to it 10 years after you That's separate. what I was talking about. Yeah, 10 years. Oh, okay. So if you were to start going to class and then you quit going to school, you have 10 years to utilize that GI Bill. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sam gets snippy when he gets... You get snippy. Well, I, I never use my GI Bill. You so can give it to your daughter. When I, when I went... like. When I went to, I don't have enough time. Oh, you gotta, you gotta have enough active duty. Time yeah, yeah, the so National Guard and Reserve somebody, yeah. stuff gets kind of tricky. My recruiter didn't tell me. No, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I wonder why the the fuck people don't go active duty. By the time you do all of your training, your deployments, you know, you might as well have just done a stint. Well, I went uh, when probably because you don't want to move. Well, that was a big thing. I went to National Guard so I wouldn't be like that typical divorce guy. However, I got divorced. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, that didn't work out. Well, I didn't want to move, and I don't. The Army always sends you somewhere cold. That's true. And Like Bagram? Yeah. Yeah, Bagram's cold. And a lot of, I was doing MP, and so a lot of MPs, rotate in and out of alaska and i was i'm, I'm a dude they do no training there yeah. they I'm get outside and they like learn to like sleep in the snow and shit i'm not i'm not about that life so i was like yeah i'll, I'll stay home do my little weekends and my two weeks then you became and then so you kind of just jumped <clears throat> so then you, after because you're you're too slow you're a- after, then you became. Well, why did you have to say that? <laughs> oh if, shit! If you just let me finish my sentence, <laughs> then you became a police officer. I was. I, I entered law enforcement. There you go. Don't say it, though. When work. I was still in, and um, it it was a big motivator for me to get out the military. Yeah, you already worked two weekends a month. <laughs> then you gotta go yeah. for another one. And, and and drill always failed on an off weekend. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> and then just the like the military or going to the range and you know like having somebody tell you what to do versus coming to work and they give you a gun and you're out on the range and you you're kind of have a little bit more freedom. I was like, I'm tired of being treated like shit. I've never. Oh. I've been. I've been shooting these big ass guns for eight years now, and every time I come out here, you treat me like I've never touched this gun yep. before. Oh so. god! I, yeah, there's there. The term "big boy army" comes from the fact that the regular army treats you like a little boy, and it's so true. Like, you have all this responsibility, and then, like, they'll send you to a a, a sovereign country, have you invade it, and you know bring a lot of war to their people and then you'll get to the states and they take all of your stuff and they're like you can't have this gun it's got to stay in an armor you and i mean i mean it makes sense but in a sense like it just feels like they're you have they're they're just utilizing you to get the job done and then they don't trust you at all correct 
It's like I always tell people, like, they'll take you out of school at 17 and send you off to basic and teach you how to kill people. But you can't have a drink. Yeah, you can't have a dip. You You can't smoke now either. You can go kill people. (laughs) You can't smoke, dip, or anything, but you can kill people running away. You cannot have a drink. Yeah, so I guess we wanted to touch on, like, I was super down. Like, when he mentioned you wanted to come on, I was, I quit asking people that I know because essentially I always get a no, but it's a long, drawn out no rather than just saying, like, no, I don't, I, I don't want to be on camera or stuff like that. Because people are um, scared to be on camera. Well, that or they just don't, like, they're, they don't want to associate themselves with anything. But, like, Martin, probably one of the more punk rock dudes I know. Miguel. Oh, yeah, Miguel. <laughs> he does not give a Fuck about Miguel me. keeps it real. He does. And I always said that because I, when I went to, <laughs> I was I was gonna say it. Shmorshin <laughs> County, and I got hired, and Miguel trained me. I said, Miguel, your biggest problem is you keep it real. I keep it real, and I'm not a fan yeah. favorite. You you keep, keep it way real. too real. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't. If he like, doesn't, if, in, what, in law enforcement, if someone does something wrong and. And you tell them, hey, you're doing it wrong. They get offended. Yeah. You're super confrontational. And confrontation is not a bad thing. No. Confrontation is actually a really good thing because a lot of problems give, get alleviated and a lot of misunderstandings are done when you are when you just confront something. And there's like that. You ever like watch prank videos where you're like, I don't. It's so it's like you're watching people prank and you're like, I could never do that. It's not cringy. It's just like, oh, there's something in like, I can't I don't have that freedom to do it like in my brain where like you like I watch you 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 just you tell people what they're doing wrong and I'm like oh god it's like be in the parking lot at work everybody leaves and it's just Martin like Miguel <laughs> Miguel <laughs> Miguel keeps it real that's what I always loved about you however in law enforcement keeping it real keeps you at where you're at hey can we read those mean ass fucking TikToks oh yeah you don't have to read my so Wait, 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 but Miguel, let me read though. So what are you doing? Are you going to read these or talk yeah. about Miguel? Miguel's the best. <laughs> That's fine. But I was talking about this. Okay. So I was going to let people know we're sort of not just reading, randomly reading stuff. All right, don't read it yet. So okay. What do you want me to do? All right, so we did, I did some clips. Because essentially I talk about a lot is changing the culture. And I'm the first thing I always say is I'm included in this. I'm guilty of this, you know, and but it's always about cops like kind of being assholes to each other or how we always were trained to always be right. Right. The community expects you to be right. Paperwork court expects you to be right. Your supervisor expects you to be right. So it kind of like shifts who you are. And like so, so that's why sometimes like marriages are hard for cops at first because they're always right in an argument just stuff like that dude i got some fucking hate was that the wrong with cops can never be wrong yeah yeah i saw that i was probably one of the guys that like yeah. <laughs> we'll read it let me see all right wait wait no all right go but i don't children often have problems admitting they are wrong too but eventually they grow up yeah, so essentially, he was calling. He was calling Jacob Faith me a child because <laughs> I was a, I was a, I was saying that. Yeah, I don't watch it, so I don't understand. So I know. For, no, look, 
for for one, in in our line of work, you have to be an alpha, mm-hmm. and an alpha doesn't necessarily take orders from anybody else. Ooh. What we say go, and that is what it is. That's true. We're always right. If you're wrong, it's a sign of weakness. Thank you. I've been trying. We've been trying to say this forever. Me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's where the always right comes in. I I always want to be right, but when I'm wrong, I know how to admit Two, when I'm one, wrong. One. Yeah, and I'll, I'll it's hard. I'll take you know. And I'll take one on the chin. I've I've learned to like yeah embrace a, it. It's an acquired skill to learn because yeah. you have to you you'll realize like shit. I, I'm not good at taking critiquing. And then you have to tell yourself, like, I have to get better at this because. But I, I think, like, being able to know when you're wrong, and then especially if you get proven wrong by somebody with less experience than you, like, that hurts your ego. Yeah. But, <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> but at the same time, when you do that and you're able to still be alpha like you are that makes you a better leader in life and in our career in general mm-hmm. you can't read because you've been this drinking. fucking guy's a <laughs> fucking idiot <laughs> fuck y'all <laughs> he's like the fuck this dude talking about as a cop i get humbled all the time and time again i never assume i'm right unless i have definitive proof like the fuck this, the fuck this dude uh, talking you cherry motherfucker i don't know i i don't I wouldn't, I would not brag about like getting humbled like all the time. That's like saying that like, means you don't know what, what yeah, you're doing. That's, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like, uh, uh, I get my ass kicked all the time. Like, uh, then you probably shouldn't be out. You're here. not that, humbled. That goes a little bit into like not knowing what you're doing. Mm. Uh, somebody was like, completely false. You got to be one to understand. Like, what's a be one? Be one of what? You, you, get, you got to be a cop. Oh. Like, He's oh, saying like okay. he's, replying to, he's replying we're to he's replying to that cops? guy. Or? Yeah, like oh, okay. I was like, we filmed this at Street Cop. The, we're not, dude. Cops? I'm telling you, these people are fucking insane. Fine, fine, fine. I said, bro, what? You don't have to be right all the time. Don't listen to this douche ass officer. <laughs> You're the douche ass, <laughs> not me. It's a pillow. I go. You should keep boosting my algorithm, though, bro. And he goes, "You're welcome. You need it. Perfect shirt for you, by the way." And I was like. It's mine. I made it. <laughs> so I think I saw you post this on, <laughs> online. Yeah, it was good. What do you want and then somebody goes, nope, that doesn't happen. The ones that are like that don't last long. The rest are humbled by this. For so. what comment? It's, was this in street cop training? Yeah, it was just the shorts that I posted. It's just douche ass officer. Like I put I never said anything remotely negative to anybody i'm just saying the culture and just bringing up talking points i really never even side one way or the other i just bring up points that can be discussed dude people lose because one of them is we treat each other like shit firefighters are out there loving each other whatever they do and you know we're the only job that's like we talk shit about each other so i'll for people who can't think <laughs> complexly it's like an athlete right mm-hmm. athletes are alphas too and they're competitive like two of the greatest kobe and michael 
they don't like to lose and they didn't want anybody to outscore them. Of course. It's the same here. We're, we're competitive amongst each other because we all want to be the better cop, you know? So we don't, I don't want another cop like proving me wrong. It, it, it's, it, it's inevitable, but it's not something I want and it's not something I would strive for. Yeah. Well, sometimes also there's different ways to skin a cat. And, yeah. you know, if you do something, unless it's egregiously wrong, I'm not going to come, unless you're a trainee, right? A trainee, you kind of tell them, like, I would do it this way. But other than that, if I'm working side by side with you and you do something one way, it's your way. I'm not going to, you know, if you search a car a certain way than I search a car, I might think there's benefits to doing it my way, but I'm not going to go tell you you're doing it wrong unless you, you know, but cops love to, and that's why I always say like, I'm confrontational. I make sure that motherfuckers think like, all right, I'm going to go suggest something to Tyler, but it's probably going to backfire and he's probably going to get, and so after a couple of altercations, I never had like that, that problem with you. We worked together. Cause you, yeah, because you left me alone. Cause you had prior, like, I don't know. I, I just, left you alone. Okay. <laughs> so Miguel, our biggest thing is not ours. our wieners. Wieners. Not, you not, know. not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> <clears throat> you brought up basketball for the first time in this podcast. A basketball. Yeah, he brought it. He was just talking about that. We never, we don't talk about sports in general. You don't. No. He forgot what he was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> you said Miguel. Miguel. So, being a black officer in the lower income areas, tell us about it. I think. <laughs> tell us about it. Tell us about it. Well, first off, is Jamaican African? No, why? No, <laughs> the but, dumbest fucking thing. Wait, wait, wait. Let me tell you something. Wait, when I was on a call with Miguel, and this guy's like, "I'm from Jamaica." Miguel always said, "What part of Jamaica are you from?" Remember? And you would always call them out, and of course they didn't fucking know what. Part well, of Jamaica I'm just asking if like if there was African roots in Jamaica. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. Thank you. So yes, Jamaica, like <laughs> most of. <laughs> Most of the islands in the Caribbean, um, they were used as uh, uh, as part of the slave trade. So, oh, for real? Yeah. So as as ships were coming over from Africa, they would stop there and offload the slaves. And eventually, plantations were being built. Um, Jamaica at the time. Um, we grew a lot of sugar cane and that's where most of the sugar was coming from. So they did a lot of harvest in there. And, um, essentially most of us are from African descent. Did not say that, but there's also like a, there's a big, uh, Chinese population in Jamaica too. Really? A lot of people don't know. Chinese. We work with one. His, his, his family is uh, Jamaican. And Chinese? Yeah. Oh, wow. No. There's a lot. I don't, I don't know if they're Irish, but there's, there's a good amount of white people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, tell us. <laughs> this boring history well, stuff. This is boring history. Because <laughs> I remember us, you and I working at that one hotel. And you, would, you were always, what is, how should I say 
Strong minded? I don't know. I gotta pee. Wait. I gotta pee real bad. Can we continue or no? Yeah. All right. All right, let's just move the table so you don't fall. He's going to melt this bottle over. <laughs> Can you check that camera? Because last time he did this, he knocked the camera completely. <laughs> you got him on it? All right. But, all right. Yeah, so what he was trying to get at was um, the your mindset when you went in to law enforcement as a black officer to where you're at now and how it's kind of like the things that maybe you thought you could realize, like the things that you thought you were going to be able to make a change for and the real realistic change that you can make. So I never, I always tell people like, I never wanted to be a cop like, Really was, yeah, was never in, in the stars for me. Like wasn't something I was, desired to be always knew i wanted to be a soldier but i never thought about getting into law enforcement like most uh like majority of black people you grew up with a a fear and a disdain for cops um i really didn't start having like positive interactions i want to say with cops until i was in high school and I, I played football and a couple of my coaches were cops you know um, but other than that, like I never looked at being a cop until, um, I don't even remember the year I want to say it's probably around 2009, maybe 2008. Um, I was working at a warehouse, I was working at BJ's and mm -hmm. then one of my supervisors, um, who happened to be a convicted felon, we were talking one night and he was like, man, if I could go back in time, like I would be a cop. Like I wouldn't be doing the shit that I was doing. I'd be a cop. Um, and I was like, hmm. And then um, I think there was, there was some shooting that, you know, caused protests and everything and everybody was, just around the str the string of like early mid two thousand tens or whatever. Yeah, that was when like yeah. the whole like police brutality stuff was <sighs> just like uh it was just becoming a thing. Yeah. And you know, everybody's complaining and everybody's like, This needs to change and that needs to change and blah, Essentially blah, blah. what started the defund the police movement, right? Yeah. Yeah. This was like around like Trayvon Martin. Uh, oh, you know, it was the guy. Um, ah, the guy with the hands up, don't shoot, right? Yes. Yeah, I can't. Yes. Remember. I can't. I don't remember. Either. Michael Brown. Michael Brown. Yeah. And uh, people were like complaining and. Damn it, Stacy. <laughs> I've just always had the mindset of like. If you're going to complain about something, you can't expect anybody else to fix it. Like, if you're going to come with a problem, you should be following up with a solution. Yeah. So that kind of motivated me to go this route. And that's when I ended up in the Army. And Well, like I tell people all the time, here. you want to 
see like no like really seeing no race is go to an army platoon like you'll learn that like there's no uh, there's people that co- join the military that had never seen like I know for a fact I've, ha- I've had a few ne- <laughs> never really seen a black person before yeah. just because of the way they're raised that they're just and so but like man you go to an army platoon it's like you ever seen those textbooks when you were a kid that had like every race and a kid in a wheelchair on it that's what the R and Army. You like you go out on a Saturday night, be an Asian well, dude, a black dude, a Hispanic it, dude. It, de- it depends for you, cause cause you're living Bravo. It's definitely like that. Yeah. For me, if I pull up my like MP pictures, there's like one of us in each like. Really? Platoon. Yeah. Oh, but this guy, this platoon already has a black guy. Here, yeah. Here's <laughs> the thing, though. Um, so we were MP company, but we were a part of a transportation, like, brigade. 88 Mikes? Yeah. Hell yeah. I love 88 Mikes. Black, blackest, that's the blackest uh, uh, MOS in the entire army, bro. The 88 Mikes? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. 88 Mike used to be the highest and, uh, and, bonus. And fuelers. Uh, that's true. I, every yeah. fu- I think every uh, fueler I've ever met, I haven't met many fuelers, but the ones I have met just happen to be black. Yeah. <laughs> and field artillery. And then... It's funny because I thought about it the other day, and it if you look at the agency now, the agency is kind of the same way. Like, SROs? Uh, I was an SRO. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody realized that's not a win-win for <laughs> all parties involved. We're like, let's just send Sam back. I was an road. SRO. 11 months, I survived. Yeah, and then uh, I mean, even where I'm at now, there's only two of us. Sometimes I want to ask. In sector two. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I want to ask if I can get on the uh, community-oriented like social media squad, but I know it's going to be a soft rejection because that whole squad. I mean, and I get it. I'm the first one to tell you, like, I get it. You can't go into lower-income neighborhoods and, be and not be able to relate and <laughs> tattooed. I mean, it's, I mean it, you 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 can, but it's it's all about your approach because they don't see like what we see. Like we see black and white. Mm-hmm. They don't see that. They see whatever color your uniform is. They yes, see sure. that thin blue line. Mm-hmm. And as as long as you're a part of that thin blue line, like they see the uniform. Yeah, I mean, it sounds corny, but like cops bleed blue. Like you're. Essentially, because and I, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. Uh, well, I'm saying, <laughs> I, I'm saying I, I this it. because <laughs> you'll, you know, you're, you're all like that's why we're, we're proud to be underneath. Like, okay, you know what? You guys are just gonna chew me up for this one. So never <laughs> mind. You know what? Go part of part of it. my confrontationalness that people say I have is I believe in closed mouths don't get fed. So. Whenever you have something that you want to say, say it. Because you never, you never know what the response is going to be. Yeah. Well, I say everybody bleeds blue when you're a cop because no matter what background you come from, you do enough time in this job and you realize, like, sometimes in some situations that might, those people are, are you're more like those people than your old friends that you grew up with. Like, you know, it's just part of that's becoming an adult. Part of that's like moving on. But like, you know, so that's my cheesy take on it. 
Yeah. Just cheating. <laughs> <laughs> What's your take on um some of the one of the best arguments in history for community policing is in the rougher neighborhoods. They say, um, you know, white kids from the co- the nice part of town that go to college and come try to police our community aren't what's best for our community. That being said, you know, that community might not be producing enough qualified candidates to come back and police that community. So that's a good point. Um, so I think like as an underprivileged community, it's not encouraged to get into this line of work. So you don't, you don't have people like, like both of you are second generation officers. Mm-hmm. I'm first generation. Like nobody in my family has ever thought about doing this. You know what I'm saying? So like people that come from lower income, they're like, that's not something we do. So you don't encourage your kid to do that. And then, there are qualified candidates out there. There's plenty of them, but they're not going to get into it because one, the backlash that they're going to get from their family and their, mm-hmm. and the community, and two, it's just not something that's you know instilled in them. Versus, you know, uh, a kid from the suburbs where his parents or her parents are, you know, hanging out with cops, hanging out with lawyers, like. Putting stickers on their cars. Yeah, you know, yeah. donating to the to the pal and you know, oh I, I sent money to the, to the FHP. I uh, know the P-A-L. I know the under sheriff. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, those kids are like, Oh man, like my uncle and my brother and blah 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 and you know that's they don't know anything else but to do that. So, um and then when you take those people and you put them into and underprivileged area, you you can't expect them to police efficiently because the stuff that they're going to see, they've never seen before. And the people that they're going to interact with, they've never interacted with those people before. They've avoided they've you know, they've been able to avoid those confrontations. Now you're now you're having to go to those confrontations. And some of them do well at handling it and some of them don't. And if they didn't if they didn't have a certain stereotype, when they get there and they're met with that, that that stere- like if all they've known is these people to be a certain way and then they get there and they act that way they think that everybody is like that yep. now and they and now they develop a disdain for for those you know people yeah it's just i mean it is what it is it's ignorance it's not knowing it's not it's a lack of knowledge so and like have you ever have you ever like i've seen you lecture some people on you just did one the other day like when, <laughs> oh i remember we were at a call a long time ago somebody goes uh so somebody said something like they're what were being racist and it was me, you and John Wynn. And you were like, bro, are you kidding? And then like, I don't know if he couldn't see you cause it was dark and like <laughs> he didn't know you were black, but you know, like some of the craziest shit, like do, do, do people, I guess it goes, well, they don't think they don't see black and white. They see racist cop. You're in a uniform. You're racist. And yep. I've been, I get, 
most of the hate I get is from people that look like me. Mm-hmm. They're like, you're an Uncle Tom. Ah, you're boot licker. You're, you're doing this Beep to your licker. own people. You know, oh, you, you think they just going to accept you? Really? You, yeah. Because I had an older guy, probably like late 50s, early 60s. I walked into a store to investigate something else, and he was in there um, buying something. Had nothing to do with why I was there. And he was like, you know, why... Why would you want to? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to be one of them? And I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "The police." He's like, "All the wrongs the police done to us." I was like, "Well, the police haven't done anything to me, but at one point in time, people that look like us were not even allowed to do this job. So why would you not encourage me to step in a role that, at one point, we were segregated from, we were kept from legally, like not being able to do this, like." It doesn't make sense to me. He's like, oh, do you know how many of those people we've killed? And I was like, bro, like, we kill each other every day. Like, that's just how it is. You, But it was, it was, it, it was baffling to me that he was just like, you shouldn't do that because it's a white person thing. But it's like, how do we get rid of racist cops if there are no black people there like you can't do you do you ever run into you cook that <laughs> like you can't keeping it real <laughs> it does it, it just doesn't yeah it doesn't make sense it doesn't well like, it goes back to the problem thing how can you tackle a problem you can't sit there and bitch about a problem and then not at least if you're not going to go handle that's fine but then give someone shit for trying to go make a change like yeah, like like i've been i've been black you know However many years I've been alive. When did you transition? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's the point is that I've been I've been I've been black for however many years I've been alive. <laughs> like what makes you think that you know me putting on this uniform now I now I don't identify as black and I'm I'm this. Like I don't mm-hmm. wear the uniform 24/7 and when I'm not wearing the uniform I look like everybody else out on the street well have you ever i know female cops get this a lot they get like like really shitty things like as a as a white man i'm sorry there's really not a lot you're gonna say that's gonna get under my skin i'm sorry like oh yeah bootlicker like or you know but has anybody like you've been on calls have you ever like yeah i don't know are we allowed to say cracker bootlicker yeah are we i mean Well, you know what a bootlicker is, right? Yes. Yeah. You're a bootlicker. <laughs> Thanks, <cracker>. man. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's the worst I can get called. And, you know, but has any, have you ever had to like, when you first started, does anybody said any just wildly racist shit to you? Not like workers, but like people on calls, like white people to you or. I mean, I don't know. It depends on. I don't know, man. But Uncle Tom is what people usually call me, and like, it, I don't necessarily say it, it. It doesn't get under my skin, but it more of like it annoy you and irritate you rather than piss you off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. What? I don't. I don't like when people bring up race when we're doing our job. Period. Um, so anytime somebody says, oh, this is racist, like I immediately get annoyed, like real quick. Um, 
Nick's gonna like this. It's one of his favorite stories. I uh, I arrested a I arrested a trucker. I arrested a trucker, and um, he happened to be Mexican from Texas, and the guy that he assaulted was a black guy. So, of course, he's like, oh, you're racist. You're going to pick up for the black guy, da 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 this. You don't like Mexicans, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I got immediately irritated with him, and I went off on him, and I said, how can you call me racist? My wife is Mexican. You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) In lack of better words. And then later on, he was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you a racist. You have a beautiful like, fucking kid. <laughs> half, <laughs> half. But, but that's the... <laughs> it's the truth. But that's the world we live in is, you know, people will see you and, you know, let's say you had a use of force that made the news with a black guy. You're automatically racist. Mm-hmm. But they don't know that, you know, they've never seen your wife. They don't know what your wife looks like. She could be black, you know. She's like the you most white. Kendrick's <laughs> not black. You could, you could have, you could, Kendrick's you know. Kendrick's into ghosts. Your, your family could be very interracial, yeah. and they have no idea of that. That, or I like seeing people that like, oh, you're, he's white. Like, actually, it's funny, that white person actually grew up in the hood, you know. Like, yeah, that, too. And that, My, that. My best friend is white. <laughs> and for the longest, we were like, he's black. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. But people, you know, people are going to make. If there's one thing I've learned in this job is that once people have made up their mind about how they feel about something or someone, it's extremely hard for you to sway them from that. Whether like yeah, because they would have to admit they're yeah. wrong. They if, would have to admit yeah. like my thought process. Even if is wrong. you put down like hard facts and proof in front of them, they're just gonna be like, "No, that's that's not how it is." Well, yeah, the worst, the most scared I've ever been. Do you remember this? When I had to uh, respond to someone's resistance, and they were handcuffed to a gurney. Gay and black. Oh, he beat him. And the investigation went to our, essentially what our IA is. That's your ass, Mr. Postman. (laughs) PSD. If you didn't believe this out, so edit. Tyler. (laughs) I feel like you had an accident, a car accident, and now you're kind of like a vegetable. (laughs) And like. <laughs> and I just, I still hang out with you. <laughs> He's learning how to talk again. Yeah. <laughs> he can't walk. <laughs> but yes, that really did happen, and I was terrified. Luckily, he was, uh, he was not an upstanding member of society, and he had just uh, got out of jail for biting another cop. So, but, but even so, like. That's a realistic scenario for a lot of people because if it makes the news, you're guilty before you're proven yep. innocent. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially yeah. with cops. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're, it's ratings. It's like, yeah, and, you're and then guilty, and then you're, you're guilty ch- before proven innocent. Your chain of command has to come out and save face with them, so they do the whole, "Ooh, it was disturbing to watch." Like, what? You can't wait. Like, <laughs> that's that that goes back to like part of my keeping it real is that we as we as cops don't do a good job of educating people on why we do things and what we do. And I think sometimes the people who get in front of the mic and they have that audience, you know, they're on TV and they're speaking on behalf of all of us. They, they do a poor job of, of putting that forward to save face. And it doesn't help us that are on the road that are having to interact with these people because, you know, Everyone you see is now, oh, I don't have to get out my car. And I'm yeah. and here I am. I'm like, look, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, I know you saw this on YouTube, <laughs> but I I want you to think back on all the videos you watched. And how it turned me, out. And tell me which one of them ended with the person not getting out of the car one way or another. <laughs> now you make up your mind on whether you want to get out the car with me helping you or you on your own. But... At the end of the day, you're gonna get out of this car. What um? Is there any? Have you came across any cops? Or I always say this. I'm like, I don't know any racist cops, and it sucked at the have stigma you ever back in the day. Face any racist cops towards you? Oh yeah, I'm I'm I've been handcuffed and and like. Oh, when you weren't I, a cop? Before I was a cop. Yeah, I've had like. It's you just know crazy it. that I'm a cop because I've had more negative ex- experiences with cops than I've had with positive. How do you know it was racist? Or how do you know they were? So um, for the people that are watching and listening, Let's get real. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in, in South Florida. I grew up in Broward County, um, which is, if you don't know, it's north of Miami, but they Broward and West Palm might as well all, all be one, one place. Bad boys. Um, <laughs> In Broward County, there's a town called Davie, which is synonymously like redneck. It's country. Everybody got farms. You, yeah, you avoid that town. Money. When you're <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I went to high school in Davie. Um, I used to, I lived in, in Lauder Hill, which is like one of the roughest parts of Broward. But uh, I went to high school in Davie. And um, long story short, one day coming home from wrestling practice, me and my buddy, we were both black. We were both (laughs) black. We got stopped by the cops. You were black? We got felony stopped. Felony stopped, face down, handcuffed, everything. They searched the car, um, asking why we're there. And we're like, we're literally like probably like a mile, maybe less than a mile from the high school. We're like, we go to the school, like, we wrestle. It was just because you were black? I, I don't know why they stopped us. What was their but reason? But we had... <laughs> they didn't say. We had, you know, like, all our, our gym bags in the bag yeah. and everything, and, and they were like... They didn't have anything to, to arrest us on, and, you know, they uncuffed us and everything, and they were like, don't come back to my town. Damn. Get out of here. <laughs> Did you just say something racist? Get out of here. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, here. 
which if is I said the B, which is crazy because my football coach at the time was a sergeant on their department Ooh. and I, you know he he's he's i love him he's one of the, you know best persons i've i've met in my life but second to me <laughs> somebody you know but it it happens was that and that sergeant and was he white or black in, hmm? was that he was white he was a white dude yeah but that's in like a progressive area like it, not only progressive but well diverse like metropolis so imagine those people like texas and you know podunk georgia and those places alabama <laughs> i heard alabama's wildly racist still yeah they're like way behind the times uh, a lot i could of those, say words right? yeah like they yeah i heard a story uh my buddy michael told me that they have there there was a, there's an intersection it's almost like underground famous there's a Popeye's chicken on one side and Popeye's for the other and one's white and one's black and they all don't go they don't cross each other's streets and it's and I didn't believe it and then somebody else verified to me like oh yeah it's it's Alabama's like a different place like they haven't <laughs> I mean if you if you um, you know want to turn the podcast into a history lesson nope. but if you look back into just the history of segregation, it didn't end not too long ago, you know. Really? Yeah, it wasn't. It was. Well, I know. Yeah, they ago. they they established the rules, but then you have all the people still alive that don't believe in that rule. They believe so, in. So, for in, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Emmett Till, but the lady that accused Emmett Till just died last week. Who's Emmett Till? So, what is Emmett Till? They just made a movie about him. Get Emmett Till Emmett. is Emmett Till. No, it was. <laughs> he was uh, an African American kid. He grew up in New York, and his what family was? lived. Um, I want to say it was Georgia, um, but in the South. And he went to visit his family for vacation, and he essentially, quote unquote, whistled at a white woman. And they beat him and like drug him through the streets and like killed him. And nobody ever saw a prosecution for it. And, and then the, it was a lie. It, it, it was a lie. And everybody knew it was a lie. And then the lady that accused him, she just died last week. You know, Good, fuck she lived. He, he, he was dead and she lived, you know, her, her whole full life. Holy shit. You know. Mm-hmm. What is this? Emmett Till? Emmett Till. Well, Emmett Till is the guy's name. I don't know what the movie's That's, called. It's Django? called the movie's called Till. Oh. Not Django. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean even even here at home, like I didn't grow up in Central Florida. I grew up South Florida, but Central Florida was was like a really, really racist you know, area back in the day. Kendra. You know, oh yeah. Over there in Sector Four, you have Division, the Road Division. Yeah. You pass it all the time. Yeah. It's named Division for a reason. Oh shit! <laughs> John Travis stopped. It named Division. I <laughs> keep going. I can't stop you here. It's named. It's named Division because on if you look, what's what's close to there? Paramore. 
Holy shit. And it used to divide it used to divide Orlando, you know, by yeah. by race. If anybody doesn't know Paramore is the You're very is, nice. No, it's the opposite of very nice. It's very it's it's I almost want to say underprivileged. Is it da- is it it's racist to call like it dangerous? Disney's, Disney. I don't think it's I don't think it's dangerous, but Just I mean it is dangerous. There. But it's it's a very it's Damn, a very very. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying. To, I just hear random noises. <laughs> okay, it's not dangerous. People die there. It's safe. It's a, <laughs> it's a very very underprivileged neighborhood. Yeah, that's it is safe because they built two stadiums there. And there's camping world. Isn't that weird? And the soccer stadium, Orlando, yeah. the Orlando Stadium, and right there. the uh, Schmorshen Clinic on Tampa. There. <laughs> yeah, they, the the stadiums. When you go, you, um, you have to park, and like you'll get out of your car, and you're like, wow. And then the, I'm it's just saying, insane. and then they'll have a parking lot attendant there. One time, I went and saw monster trucks, and Ooh. I left my gun in my car. Oh, I, and I, you know, I was like, I know the area, and I'm like, shit. And I asked the parking lot attendant, "Are like, are you gonna be here all night?" And he's like, "It's just a really old dude." He goes, "Yep." I, I go, "I'll give you an extra twenty. Just please don't leave my car here unattended." And then he was gone when I got back. No, I parked. There's a parking lot up by Jones, by Jones High School, mm-hmm. off of Rio. Uh, me and my wife went to a, a, a football game at Camping World, and we parked there. And I showed the guy my badge, and I was like, "Bro, I'm leaving my car here with you. It better be here when I come <laughs> back." Hey, there's a gun in you this bet, car. He's gonna you call. You better somebody. take care of my. You better take care of my car. <laughs> and when I came back, yeah, yeah, they'll open up. Yeah, when I came back, he uh, he, my car was the last car there, and he was still there. Nice. And he was waiting on me to lock up. He took care. He took care of me. He's like, "I got you, brother." But yeah, back to Orlando. Uh, Eatonville. Ooh, Eatonville's safe. a city here. Um, it's a historically black city, and it also was one of the cities that held one of the last slaves to come off of uh, the slave ships. Yeah. Oh, that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Slavery was bad, huh? A good movie to watch. <laughs> a good movie to watch well, that happened here uh, is Rosewood. I mm, haven't seen that one either. Look at is it called? Is it on Netflix? It's with uh, it's with. <laughs> it might be a grandpa. Is that one on Netflix? It, uh, <laughs> it has a uh, Vin Rames in it. Ooh, oh, yeah, is we're like, Vin Rames dead now? No, no, he's on Dawn of the Dead. You're thinking about um, oh, my hands balls. Green Mile. No, no. <laughs> Vin Rames is from Baby Boy. And uh, and Mission uh, Impossible. And uh, yeah, Green Reservoir Dogs. No. no. <gasps> That's the guy that sounds all like this. All, all bald-headed black people don't look alike. <laughs> <laughs> so from... Okay, I understand now. <laughs> Did you, all right, so... You were just watching the movie with Vin Rains when I walked in here. Yes, he's dead. No. Oh, my God. Show him the, show him the other guy. Is it Samuel Jackson? Oh my God. <laughs> From Django? Why did my. Hey, here's a question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah Sam good. Jackson's in what? Django. Django. That's. 
I can't believe they got he was, that movie. He but. was the epitome of Uncle Tom. Oh, Tom. I do remember his character. Yes. Yeah, Bing Rames. That's not Bing Rames, dude. Oh, my God. It's Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> He's dead at 44, Bing Rames. Oh. <laughs> ring Rames. Ring Rames. <laughs> <laughs> He's still learning how to ring talk. Rings. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why did Michael Jackson change his skin tone? Since we're like, on the topic, like Sammy Sosa, so, um, it's a disease. The, it's called yeah, yeah. Villaligo. Oh, which, for real? Yeah. Which is um, basically, you, uh, basically, our skin is darker because we have a we have melanin in our skin, and that's melanin. what makes it dark. Um, melanin. 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 Oh, yeah. Okay. And in his case. <laughs> See, this is why I told I called Sam and I was like, "Hey man, y'all don't got no black people on this podcast. You yeah. need to get me." Yeah, I feel like y'all are learning a lot right yeah. now. Yeah, um, but so. he he had the disease, and eventually he he just ended up bleaching completely. Because oh, you so seen, you ever seen the people? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. With, okay, like with light patches. Yeah, yeah. That's basically so he just went ahead and did it all. Yeah, I did not know that. I, I thought mean, he was mentally ill. In in. <laughs> Michael Jackson. In, inter, no. in the entertainment business, saint. especially back then, like, you know, saint. I mean, now, too, looks is everything, but you can pass with that now more than you would back in the day. Yeah. And then uh, he also the, got a weird nose the mic on your forehead, like I, a penis. He keeps breathing in it and hitting it, <laughs> and everybody can hear that. He's going... He <laughs> like... He likes getting hit as in the face. He thinks he's not bothering you. Yet as you're talking, all people are going to hear is... Wait, I have a complaint. What's your complaint? Your, uh, your podcast, when you were talking to the uh, cops, <laughs> it, was, it was low volume on YouTube. <laughs> when you doing your podcast... This is, this is a new record. <laughs> This is a new record. <laughs> this one's probably going to be about 20 minutes long. Tennessee, you were I know what you're talking about. Okay. Thank you. It was low volume. That's my complaint. Thanks, bud. Okay, thank you. It's a critique, not a complaint. I critique your complaint. <laughs> he said he was going to start drinking at 6. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. And I was like, well, he's trying to lose weight, so maybe he'll drink lighter stuff. No, he just went to heavier stuff. Because it's healthier. It's zero calories. You look nice, though. <laughs> You're about to be like ambulatory. Is that the right word? Or is that? No, that means you non ambulatory. All right. Go ahead, about. He can't Samuel even look at his eyes. His can't eyes even are. open closed. his eyes, bro. <laughs> Samuel L. Jenkins died. <laughs> is there anything uh, that you want to bring up? Sometimes people come on here and they won't bring anything up and then I'll end it and they're like, oh, I wanted to talk about this. I'm like, you didn't tell me. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think the the I I call Sam after I listened to your guys' uh your guys' leadership episode. I knew did you was, did you was, figure out who we were talking about? I was like, What part? We were talking about Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Man, how do you, how do you I was like, how do you have a leadership damn episode and you didn't even call me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that was um and we just we talk we don't use names but we talk to me if you're gonna act like that you gotta be ready I mean I'm assuming when she was doing all those things she wasn't thinking that somebody eventually was gonna start a podcast and then 
broadcast it. But you kind of got to be accountable for like, again, I didn't name her by name, but I think there's a, there's a lot of that in our job and it's there because nobody closed mouths don't get fed and mm-hmm. nobody wants to say anything. Nobody wants to make waves. And I guess that's where like people say like, Oh, you know, you keep it real and you're, confrontational I am a bit confrontational but like I want to be able to go home and like be able to live with myself and say I spoke up because if I didn't then what good did I do you know what I mean and at the end of the day like one day I'm going to retire and take this uniform off and you know I'm going to be like oh I I used to be a cop and they're going to be like who cares you're a regular person you know so, yeah, well, I mean, like, it's like what you said, like the competition thing, like if you ever got home, it was probably when you were newer or a little bit. Yeah, like newer first year, second year. And you like the way someone talked to you on the job and you like sitting up at night, you're like, I can't believe I'll let that motherfucker talk to me like that. Y- like, yeah, I yeah. would rather yeah. lose a friend or upset somebody than come home with that feeling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And it's it, you nailed it. We are in an alpha uh, environment. You can't let motherfuckers get away with talking to you like that. It's almost like a prison environment because if someone sees, if someone sees me bitch you out, it's like, oh, now we can all talk to Martin like that. And so you can't. You gotta nip that shit in the bud as soon as it happens. And even even if, even not that, but if, in, the morally the more likely thing to happen is that you you did something. And everybody is talking about it behind your back and nobody is bringing it up to you. Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't get addressed and somebody else is seeing it who might be newer or who might not know any better and think that that's okay. And that's how we pass on bad traits. So, you know, if if we're going to we got to like people always say police each other, we got to keep each other in check and be like, hey, like. This this is not cool. Like you can't do this. Yeah, I remember what instance you're talking about. Like or you might not be referencing it, to, but I remember. I n- I know what you're <laughs> yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah. You know, and in in that scenario, that could have been life or death. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? When when I go home, one, I'm gonna do everything that I need to do to go home. But two, I'm also gonna do everything in my power to make sure that the people around me go home Mm -hmm. because for some, some people, they just don't, they just don't care, but I care. I care about people and I don't want to go home and then somebody else not go home. And then while I'm sitting there drinking my beer, I'm like, man, maybe if I had done this, it would be a different scenario. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to question that. Because that can drive somebody yeah. crazy. Survivor's guilt yeah. at, at, at best. That can drive <laughs> that can drive somebody crazy. So, um, you know, that's why I am the way I am. And I think in our job, we create, I say it all the time, is that we create supervisors and we don't create enough leaders. Dude, oh my God, yes. That's like, and hey, you shouldn't, I, my opinion, and I heard this from James and I'm stealing it from him, you should be waiting for people to tell you you should promote before 
you promote, and I say you, I don't mean you, but like somebody looking that's interested in that should. Bye, Sam. <laughs> All right, get some sleep. Oh man. Bye. <laughs> Anyways, but like people should be suggesting to you, like you would be a good leader. You should promote. We, I would want to work under you, rather than being like I want to promote because that's just a very weird trait. Like. Uh, it's a red flag when someone's like, I want to promote, like you want to promote for what reason you want to be mm-hmm. a good leader. Like I want to lead people. I, I think this agency or not this agency, but I think X agency's leadership is fucking terrible. And I want to make change. Like, okay, I'm all, I'm all about that. But so supervisors, they, they supervise leaders, build cultures. And if we want to have a, Oh, yeah. If we want to have a a shift in culture in law enforcement, we need more leaders, right? We need more people to step up and say, hey, that cop was wrong in what he or her did, and we're going to handle it. And we need people that's going to say, hey, the public was wrong. My cop was right, yeah. and they handled it the way that they were trained and the way they are appropriately supposed to handle it. Well, the only yeah. issue is that when you talk like that, you might lose an election. You might not be appointed by city council to, you know, and it's like, I, I don't know. I sometimes when, but it's, 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 it's a tough and that's the thing. It's a tough pill to swallow for some people, but imagine Imagine if every sheriff in the state of Florida was like Grady Judd. Yeah. Well. Eventually, the people that are naysayers would have to conform mm-hmm. because you wouldn't be able to get anybody else to come in and do it. You know? It, it's just, I don't know. It, we, the, the road, a lot of people shit on the road. But the road is the background, the background of what we do, and it's the face of the agency. Yeah, you know, um, and you should be able to lead those people and take care of those people because when anything happens, those are the people that are they're going to see on TV. It ain't, yeah, that, those are the people. Know, whenever there's, I mean, you've been doing this long enough. You ever see something on the news and you're like, you're eating your cereal in the morning, and you're like fuck this is gonna suck for like two months at work because oh, yeah. everybody's yep. gonna come out their house fuck you hands up don't shoot and you're yep. like, God, you know and it's like you said and you still you still have to go to work and you still have to be unbiased and unbothered in in that type of environment yep you know? that's and I, they still and expect you to do your job yeah and i know and when things used to happen when i started a couple of years like when i was a few years in i could always tell um Work was going to suck, but it's not work sucks. It's just that people feel like they can push back a lot more. And it's like, just like you said, it's like, dude, just give me your ID. Like, I mm-hmm. don't watch the TV. Our interaction, you know, and <laughs> can be. I, I said this in block uh, this year and I was like, you know, you guys want us to do police work. But when my immediate supervisor is like, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. Like, great, you're telling me, you know, as his boss that you got my back, but 
I don't, I don't see you. I don't work with mm. you. I, I see you maybe once a year. Maybe, yeah. you know, I might see you, I see at you the on range the news more than I see and you. Yeah. You might say, Hey to me, like, you don't know my name, but this guy does. And you're, you trust him more than you would trust me because he's in a higher position than me. And if he's sending it up to you and saying I'm wrong, you know, when I'm not, even though I'm not, it doesn't instill confidence in me to go back out after I've had that interaction yep. and go back to doing police work the way I do police work because I know that this person is going to try to essentially screw me over. And it's not that they're a bad person. It's just that they're they're they're, they're supervisors. Well, know? yeah, but to me, supervisors, it's weird because it's like that once they get those stripes on them, they turn a little scared. It feels like sometimes, not all of them, but some, like to me, if I was a supervisor and they didn't like my supervision, just send me back. Um, you know, it's not that much of a pay cut. You, you, some somebody's said, whenever you start promoting, like you kind of have to drink the Kool Aid. Yeah. And the more you promote, is the more of the Kool Aid you have to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and in an to a point, um, that's true. Because you're now responsible for more stuff and more people and um, everything you do is kind of scrutinized a little bit more. But at the end of the day, if if you're doing stuff and like you're like, I'm only doing this because I mean, I'm being told to I don't agree with it, then maybe you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Maybe it's not the right thing to do. Huh? Like. How are you? How do you live with yourself after that? Well, we're doing things. Um, okay. Well, I don't want to say we're doing things. There's sometimes questionable groupthink in law enforcement, and it comes out at briefing, and you're like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're doing this, this, and this," and you're like, "And you're like, you feel like you're the only one," and you got to think. Uh, 60 years ago, what kind of laws were they enforcing that are awful? But there was a briefing room full of cops going, "Okay, okay," mm-hmm. you know, and. So and I've said it before, like sometimes cops and they're not the best free thinkers. Government, I should say government employees, period. You know, like Sam always says, the military does not like free thinkers. You know, they want you to do be somewhere on time and do your job. They they love them in a sense. And they put those free think those free thinkers in special places. Yeah. Like the SF guys. Those are all like yeah. free thinkers, like non-conforming individuals that 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 problem solvers end up go to yeah. SF. Everybody else, <laughs> you gotta be, you know, six thirty in the morning. Yeah, in the F- cold, fifteen no jacket. minutes prior to the fifteen <laughs> minutes prior, but fifteen minutes prior to that because <laughs> yeah. you're corporal. Yeah, I mean, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, be, some of the best cops I know are some of the smartest thinkers because every situation you go to is different. You have a lot of discretion to handle something, you know, outside of like felonies, you know, and even you can, a good cop can, you know, just a good cop can take two people that are arguing and make them both feel like they won. And that's it. No paperwork, no nothing. If you go in there, with an attitude, or you go in there just doing your job. Do you want to press charges? Do you want to press charges? And it's because two neighbors, one threw a rock at one and one threw a rock at the other. If you go in there like a robot and offer your services, you're creating a lot of work for so many people 
when you could sit down and talk to him for 20 minutes and be done. Yeah. Part of it is relatability, yep. being able to relate to people and life experience and in the push we're having now to just fill spots, we're hiring a lot of young people who have neither of those. Yeah, sometimes it's not their fault, but yes, you're right. When I, well, we I don't think law enforcement can wait. You know, when we joined, it was bachelor degree, military service, something to mm-hmm. kind of like, obviously everything's waivable, but their preferred thing was something, to have some kind of life experience. Now it's... And even college, I don't, I don't necessarily find college as no, life experience. It's not. It's but yeah, a lot of people are coming out now and they're like, I'm 20 and here I got this 40-year-old mom that's calling me to tell, you know, tell her and give her advice on how to, how to handle her kid with behavioral Who's issues. Who's three years younger than you. Yeah. <laughs> how to handle her kid with behavioral issues. I, I don't know. Yeah. I've never, you know. So it's, and you can't, you can't teach life experience. No, man. And if you get your life experience from the job, it's not, it's not good. Well, yeah, I mean, like, they got kids out here, and I'll be like, yeah, what'd you do before this? They're like, oh, I worked at the grocery store. I'm like, how old are you? Like, oh, I'm 22. Like, no. No. But it's, I mean, when the, when there's no one to pick from anymore, there's obviously the military is downgraded a lot. So you're meeting a lot less people that have served in the military and even not deployment, even no deployment just structure, military structure being uprooted from your house, going through something not traumatic, but hard. And then working with people to get a mission done, whether it's unloading conics or whatever, you know, and that creates a lot of life experience. You kind of know what you want and don't want after four years. I'm, I'm encountering like trainees who have never been in a fight. And I was like, to me, like, that was like a rite of passage of growing up was like, yeah, you, you, you had a beef with somebody and you fought and then it was done and over with. And so you win some, you lose some. Well, I grew up in suburbia. So not me. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't you thrown, know, but like, we were tattletailing on each other. <laughs> even then, like, you know, like athletes, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting athletes who's never been in a confrontation. Like you, like at the, they played at like, you know, a college level and have never had a confrontation. I'm like, how? Yeah. When there's that much fucking testosterone flowing and fucking machismo, you're bound to fucking. Yeah. Like how, (laughs) how I don't understand. Like I, I, I never played college, you know, ball I played ball in high school and we fought at practice all the time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it wasn't, it didn't go beyond that. We fought at practice and, you know, we're all the white kids like, and then we'll go and (laughs) (laughs) we go in the locker room and, you know, it, it was, it was never brought up again. It was part of our everyday, like we didn't fight every day, but it was, it was part of life. It was, it wasn't culture. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh man, you guys, you're fighting on the football field. Like, you know, it's like an, 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 Unless you played football, which I didn't, but you would know, like that happens. And I, when testosterone and masculinity is flowing, that sounds. And me doing my hand like this, pretty. <laughs> but I mean, you can't not have fights because you would essentially you would just have one alpha and a team full of betas. But yeah, go to any park and play a pickup basketball game. <laughs> I'm good. 